Hi, this is Pastor Tim Crick, and you are listening to the weekly sermon podcast of Holy Trinity Evangelical Lutheran Church in Newington, New Hampshire, a part of the ELCA, Evangelical Lutheran Church in America. You can find us online at www.htelc.com. We worship on Sunday mornings at 8.30 and 11 a.m., where you are never too late and there is always room for one more. We hope you can join us sometime, and we hope you find the sermon you're about to listen to helps you to understand and experience the depths of God's love for you and the entire world. Thanks for listening. The Holy Gospel according to St. Mark chapter 5, 21 through 43. When Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered around him, and he was by the sea. Then one of the leaders of the synagogue named Jairus came, and when he saw him, fell at his feet and begged him repeatedly, My little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her so that she may be made well and live. So he went with him. A large crowd followed him and pressed in on him. Now there was a woman who had been suffering from hemorrhages for 12 years. She had endured much under many physicians and had spent all that she had. And she was no better, but rather grew worse. She had heard about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak. For she said, If I but touch his clothes, I will be made well. Immediately her hemorrhage stopped, and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. Immediately aware that power had gone forth from him, Jesus turned about in the crowd and said, Who touched my clothes? And his disciples said, So you see the crowd pressing on you. How can you say, Who touched me? He looked all around to see who had done it, but the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembled, fell down before him, and told him the whole truth. He said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. While he was still speaking, some people came from the leader's house to say, Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? But overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the leader of the synagogue, Do not fear, only believe. He allowed no one to follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. When they came to the house of the leader of the synagogue, he saw a commotion, people weeping and wailing loudly. When he had entered, he said to them, Why do you make a commotion and weep? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him. Then he put them all outside and took the child's father and mother and those who were with him and went in where the child was. He took her by the hand and said to her, Talitha kum, which means little girl, get up. And immediately the girl got up and began to walk about. She was 12 years of age. At this they were overcome with amazement. He strictly ordered them that no one should notice and told them to give her something to eat. The Gospel of the Lord. May be seated. I asked people to say a name of somebody they wanted that needed healing. Not just wanted, but needed, right? We all have those people, either currently in our lives or they have been in our lives. And when I say they have been in our lives, because they were healed from what their sickness was, and they have died. 
that happens, right? We pray for healing, and things don't turn out the way we wanted them to. And we wonder why. And what's hard is when we get passages like this, when we hear things like, Jesus says, your faith has made you well. And then we wonder, was something wrong with me? Was it not with my faith? Was it not with that other person's faith? Did we not say the right prayer? Did I not do the right thing? Did I do the wrong thing? Where if somehow am I or this person responsible for the tragedy that occurred? You know what I'm saying? And I think that's the danger of looking at these scripture passages that have to do with healing and then trying to impose that on, hoping for or trying to get healing today for our specific situations. I'm not saying that healings can't occur, but I have no idea how they work, and I don't think that is what the purposes of these passages were about. And the reason why I say that is because the little girl who was raised from the dead see around today or not? The woman who was bleeding, is she around today or not? Right? At some point, sickness became too much for them and they still died. Did they not pray again at another point for another healing and did God or Jesus not decide not to heal them then? So is God just up there sometimes yes, sometimes no? fidgeting things around with, turning some knobs, and we're just hoping things turn out all right and trying to manipulate God as much as possible to get our way. If we read these passages as far as how to get healings, I think that is true. We're really misunderstanding the point of it, right? We use this in Wednesday morning Bible study. I think it came up at Wednesday night worship as well. God is not a vending machine. And what I mean by that, right? Remember those old vending machines where it had like the buttons, these sticks that you would press? As if we insert our prayer, we look for the healing that we want, and then we decide, ooh, B7 looks good. And that healing is what comes out as if God is just this vending machine to get things out that we want or that we need. And I don't believe that's what these passages are about. And I'm not saying God can't heal, but like I said to the kids, that's above my pay grade. And I hope God does, but I also know maybe something bigger is going on. Because so often, I don't think Jesus is out to simply transform people physically. But the purpose of these readings the interactions of Jesus with people is to transform or heal them emotionally, spiritually, at a deeper level. Does that make sense? And I think that's what these passages are about. And so we look at this story, these two stories that are intertwined together. And as opposed to looking at how do we get a healing, which this would be a horrible way to look at it because there is no consistency between the two, is there? You have one who 
needs Jesus to actually come there and say something, where Jesus is cognizant of what is going on. Then you have another one where the woman is so desperate, just wants to touch his clothes. Right? Which one should we do if that is the way it works? Just come to the past. But instead, what if we look at these passages about how Jesus, or better yet, who Jesus is interacting with and what those interactions are looking like? And what does that say about the world that God created, the way the world is, and the world that God is calling us to join in, continually creating? Because we have this first story, Jairus, a leader of the synagogue. He's an important person. And his family are important people. And so he has, you might say, the right to go and talk to Jesus to request, my daughter is sick, would you come and heal her? But then that story is stopped, isn't it? We don't get the ending of that story because what occurs as Jesus is going, something else occurs. It doesn't say how long it delayed, but we don't get the conclusion of the story. And this woman, hemorrhaging, bleeding for 12 years. That's a long time, right? And I have no personal experience with her, what's going on. But she, during that time, she was unclean, not able to be touched not able to be within her community. Having to be removed from it. Alone or isolated or potentially with other people that are going through the same thing at the same time. And even if that was the case where there's a group of women that always have to go out, right? I was just learning about this. Someone was telling me about the book, The Red Tent, they read. Anybody else read The Red Tent? So a few. This might be familiar to you, right? The woman during this time of this month had to go and stay in this red tent until they were clean, until they could resume life back with the rest of their community. So maybe there is some community there, but can you imagine this woman was there for 12 years that everybody just keeps coming in and out? Everybody ends up getting to a point after several days in which they get to go back to their families. They get to go back to their kids. They get to go back to their home. They get to go back to their life. They get to go back to their work. And every month, someone comes by and says, you're still here? And not just every month, but that probably occurs several times a week whenever somebody returns, right? So we have this important person who's requesting a healing, and the story is interrupted by a woman who has, in that society, no right to be with anybody. Not just with Jesus, to be with anyone. And she boldly, barely goes up and just touched the hem of his robe. It's like the bare minimum. Can you sense the desperation that she has? Just need to touch his robe. Can you imagine the people that are hearing these stories for the first time? that say, I don't care about this woman's story. Can you get back and hear about what happens to Jared? He's the important person. Remember, this 
this is very much a society in which you have the haves and the have-nots. You have those who are important. You have those who are left behind. You have those that matter, and you have those that just exist. And this woman is someone who simply is existing. You can hear the desperation in her voice. If I could just touch the hem of his clothes. And then you get the reaction of Jesus. And I think this is, I really think more and more as I read stories about Jesus, more and more I think he must have made so many people angry and upset because he is turning the order of their world upside down and is saying, you think you figured it out, but man, it is so different than what you are doing right now. Because when he interacts with her, he wants to know. And disciples, are you kidding me? Look at all these people around figure this out, right? But Jesus stops and wants to know and sees the woman. And then what does he say to her? Your faith has made you well. Can you imagine the offense that the people must have had over the fact that he said, your faith has made you well? No, it hasn't, Jesus. She doesn't have faith. Otherwise, she wouldn't be in this situation. Don't you dare think about complimenting her. She deserves what she is in. Because that's the way the world works. You aren't doing well? Well, it's your own fault. And Jesus is taking the time to be with her. And then, as if he hadn't said enough to upset people already by saying your faith has made you well, what does he call her at the end? You can go and look in your scripture. Daughter. He calls her daughter. There could not be a more intimate relationship that he is calling her into. He is bringing her back into community. He is saying, you have a place. This person who everybody is trying to gather around, right? Who everybody is trying to get a part of, a piece of, who everybody wants, and all these lower people, right? He calls her daughter. Can you see how certain people would love the message Jesus is bringing? And other people would want to shut Jesus up. You see what's going on? And so for me, for us, that's why this passage isn't about healing and that God has the power to heal. Again, it's not that God doesn't, but I don't think that's what these are about. It's about understanding the way the world is, understanding the way the world God designed it and hopes it and it, it will be eventually become and then challenging us and our views to allow ourselves to be turned upside down and enter into it. 
because this passage is saying those who are forgotten are just as deserving of a relationship, of healing, of community as those who you have lifted up. Those who you have kicked to the curb are just as worthy of those who you think have the superstar status. That there is nobody who is outside of God's love. That there is nobody who doesn't deserve to be treated with honor and respect dignity, and to hear their story, that there is no one that God says, you know what? You're right about that person. I think we should keep them out. You know what? I understand your point of view. They are a jerk, aren't they? Maybe let's, uh, maybe we don't tell them when we're getting together. You know what? You're right. That person, oh my gosh, I can't stand them either. Do you think Jesus would ever say that to you? Anybody say or think or feel any of those things themselves? I'm not saying you're going to like everybody. Obviously, that's not true. You're not called to like everybody. You're called of everybody. And there's a difference there, isn't there? You're called to love everybody. And when we do, can you imagine the kind of feelings that will occur? When everybody knows they have a place, can you imagine joy and the life that will come into them. When you know you are wanted and accepted and loved and forgiven despite of those darkest things that you don't want anyone to know. How are you transformed inside? That is the healing that is the thing that is not dependent on how you are physically doing. Does that make sense? That is the healing that God wants us all to undergo. To see who we are through the eyes of God. That's the sermon for this week. We hope from it you learned a bit more about God's love for you and the world. Please subscribe and rate our podcast to help us be found by and reach more people. Thanks for listening, and don't forget, you are loved.